Hello, I'm Charlotte Watts. Welcome to these podcasts that were first broadcast live in my Facebook group, Charlotte Watts Calm. Hope you enjoy them. And if you want more, please look at my website, charlottewattshealth.com. Hello, welcome to this session on what is the ketogenic diet. Now, this might be something you've heard about, read about, um, in terms of it being kind of like the latest fad or trend in eating. But this is actually something that was developed in 1921 by researchers who used it predominantly then to help people with epilepsy. And it's still used to this day um, effectively for epilepsy and other conditions that affect the brain, like Parkinson's, Alzheimer's. But the actual mechanism of how it works to support these isn't fully known we kind of we do understand how the brain uses this different fuel source which i will explain but exactly how this affects brain chemistry still remains a mystery so the ketogenic diet refers here to something called ketones and ketones are what we can burn as the byproducts of metabolizing fats. So we can't directly use fats for fuel, but we can use what are called ketone bodies. And we can use these in the place of using glucose, so the breakdown products of carbohydrates or sugars, and the sugar fuel that we use, usually if we're just eating a, a diet that's, that's mainly uh, carbohydrates, Uh, we would break that down into glucose and that would usually be our main fuel supply in what might be called a kind of normal average diet. And so what I refer to there is one that would include lots of carbohydrate sources from the plant kingdom. So I want to be a bit clear from the beginning that all carbohydrates are part of plant matter from the plant kingdom, the only carbohydrate that's found in the animal kingdom, animal sources of food is lactose in milk. But what we do or what happens in the ketone, uh, ketogenic diet is those are reduced. So whereas a normal diet, if you like, might be um, anywhere between very high carbohydrates, high starches like potatoes, grains in bread and pasta uh, and other grain products and sweet foods, anything that's sweet fruit, um, any sugary drinks that drinks that are either the less healthy, i.e. they're sugary, or what might be deemed healthy, i.e. fruit juices, all of those are, are much higher in carbohydrates. And a usual diet, unless you're trying to be ketogenic, will generally tend to be higher in those. Now, some people kind of will, who are practicing something like a hunter-gatherer diet or a paleolithic diet might wander into what's called ketosis almost kind of by accident and ketosis is where we burn those ketone bodies those products of eating higher levels of fats over burning off carbohydrates as fuel so we shift when we go into a ketogenic diet we replace those higher levels of carbohydrates with higher levels of fats And we shift into ketogenic diet where we burn ketone bodies as fuel rather than glucose as fuel. Now, what this does, which has been particularly why 
this diet has had popularity, why it's increased in usage, is that that tends to to flip us over into burning our natural stored fat as fuel. So whereas carbohydrates raise insulin, so the hormone insulin that we produce from the pancreas that we need to move glucose out of the bloodstream and into cells to use as energy, insulin tends to make us lay down fat as storage. And when we go into ketosis, we can actually use fat for fuel. We shunt, move fat into mitochondria, power stations in each and every cell, up to thousands in each and every cell, and we burn fat off. So it's not just the fat that we're eating as fuel, but it can also mean stored fat as well. And we have a tendency to be more metabolically efficient, i.e. we use our own fat stores more efficiently. And the brain can use ketones as fuel source as well. So it can use up to 70% of ketones. And when it doesn't get the requisite amount of carbohydrates in the diet, as it can with anything, it can, it can produce glucose in the liver and it can produce it from glycogen. The liver is capable of transforming uh, any substance to another. So any of our macronutrients, fats, carbohydrates, proteins can be broken down in their, into their constituent parts and built up into other forms of those to be used for different things throughout the body. So these are processes that are constantly happening. So if you have less carbohydrates, it does not mean that you don't have less available. We can make them as we need. And this has been part of research and discussion around the ketogenic diet, that it can help brain regulation of neurotransmitters and of energy. So we don't have the highs and lows that are associated with highs and lows of blood sugar when we're predominantly using glucose as our fuel substrate. And actually the work that's been done around Parkinson's, Alzheimer's is believed, not fully understood, but believed to be part of regulating things like dopamine, our mood and motivation neurotransmitter in the brain. What we can find when you start a ketogenic diet is that you can have feel like you have lower levels of those at the beginning. It took take a while to even kind of a, a week to regulate, to acclimatize to this change. But we need to be drinking plenty of water, having higher levels of salt, potassium uh, and magnesium, either through supplementation or foods like almonds, nuts, um, and green leafy vegetables um, to put those in. So then to be clear what it is that we do, what we can eat on a ketogenic diet, I mentioned before that it's about the fat content, raising up fat content, which can be about 70% plus from fat and lowering carbohydrates. So that can be as low as 10% of our energy, not volume, energy from carbohydrates. So the difference here between many diets that might be, for instance, I mentioned the hunter-gatherer and the paleo diet is that the protein tends to be lower. So it's moderate amount of protein sitting in the middle, about 15 to 25% from protein. So where those diets might wander into ketogenesis because sometimes you just tend to have fattier food sources, this is where we very specifically keep protein to a moderate. So it means then to get that level of fat, and it's something that obviously people often do as a a particular time period, 
um, and find that if they do it for very long periods of time, then having less plant matter can tend to lead to things like constipation or kidney stones with the metabolism of fats can tend to be higher in those susceptible or even raised cholesterol levels, although those have shown to regulate out after a while. Because the plant matter tends to be much, much lower. To have that lower level of carbohydrate, one thing you really want to avoid are um, vegetables that grow under the ground. So root vegetables, very, very starchy. And also grains, very starchy as well. So it tends to be getting our, those that 10% of energy output from carbohydrates from vegetables that grow above the ground. So those tend to have um, less starch uh, and more protein for structure in them. And then the fats themselves will come from things like butter, olive oil, coconuts. Those are kind of pure fat forms. And then where you have things that are much higher in, in fat but also have protein will be things like eggs, meat and fish. And point here is to, is to not need to have kind of lean cuts of those and to not not shy away from uh, low fat versions if you want lean leaner meats but neither to go for terrible quality meats so a an animal that has had a good life has run around is free range and potentially is grass fed rather than grain fed so itself isn't laying down those uh, that, that that less healthy fat profile will have that you know higher levels of those fats that we need eggs are a really good source there uh, in terms of um, getting protein but good levels of fat throughout things that kind of then sit in the middle dairy um, has protein in it as well so obviously dairy that's not butter butter is just the, the pure fat nuts are very useful as snacks because although yes they have some starchy carbs in them they do have very good protein and high fat levels so they're particularly good if you're if you're feeling that you are kind of craving that carbohydrate energy fix and even that you are moving from a kind of sweet tooth to that different style much more savory style of living um, nuts can give us that hit that flick and coconut, very useful as well. I, I mentioned it quite often for, for balancing blood sugar anyway, but it's that that's that inherent sweet taste it has whilst being high in fats. Some, some starches there, but the medium chain triglycerides are incredibly good for fat storage and raising metabolism anyway. So the fewer carbs that we have, the more effective this diet can be. And it's important to also notice that we go into ketosis when we fast. So we often we naturally fast throughout the night. So we produce ketone bodies whilst we're sleeping that keep us metabolically active, that keep the body going whilst we're asleep. It's quite a useful thing to do to um, fast intermittently so some people um like the 5-2 diet but you can do that in a way that feels more natural if you like that it's it's when you feel um that to be empty to be without food um when you're lower stress just sits right and feels better and 
we can also go without dinner. If you're if you're having this level of satisfactory fat in the diet, it's much more easy to to regulate blood sugar to not feel we have those highs and lows, and then to go without a dinner, which prompts us to have a, a very you know decent and satisfying breakfast, um, and have that then that that daily ketosis happening and it's something that naturally our ancestors would have done through the winter when we would have had a lot less plant material available to us ground is very hard things are growing a lot less and we our ancestors would have turned to things like you know lard and um, animal fat to keep them going and to create heat thermogenesis and for insulation So it's something that at this time of year, for those of you who are listening to this podcast coming up to winter, um, that can feel more natural, can feel more satisfying and can give us a sense that we are eating with the seasons. Depending on how it suits us, we can go for longer times. There's a question here from um, Jonathan Nally. And for many, particularly those with conditions like uh, this is where the research is done, really epilepsy, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, then as a longer term plan, then the, the results have been shown to be very effective and safe. So longer term actually often is about whether we can physically keep it up. It can be quite a difficult way of eating in terms of going out, in terms of practicalities, and in terms of just making sure that we have um, the full kidney health and support of the minerals that we need throughout it, then we just need to be mindful that we are keeping an eye on how we feel um, and keep fully hydrated. What I wanted to say as well is that within um, the first week of moving on to a ketogenic diet, then it's really important to be doing less, exercising less Well, whilst we switch over to a different way of creating energy. So this is not a time to be putting a strain on the system and to be creating more free radicals. It's a time to kind of hunker down, see this as a phase where we go into a little bit of hibernation and allow our body and brain energy to switch over to a different mode. And that can be a time for us to kind of go inwards and to feel that we allow ourselves to go down into a mood of building back up again. So I hope that makes sense. It's a bit of a a quick appraisal there. I will answer any other questions here in the Facebook group or do email me or get in touch through the website in charlottewattshealth.com if you have any other questions. And it's a really good thing to explore, not just uh, having a continual relationship with going round and round in circles with sugar and having this route where you can really tre- step off truly and have a really good sense of kind of ease and regulation with energy. 